Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio, Women's Football Weekly with Fake Others on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Clean off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers. Lana Clellan striking from outside the penalty area. World-beating big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scores! Women's Football Weekly with Fake Others on TalkSport 2. Hello, I'm Courtney Sweetman-Kirk sitting in for Faker Others today on Women's Football Weekly. Last night there was heartbreak for Chelsea and Gothenburg as Barcelona dominated the WSL champions to take the European crown. There's the full-time whistle. Chelsea's first Women's Champions League final ends in a damaging defeat. Emma Hayes vowed that Chelsea will be back again to take Europe's top prize. Our owner came in to see us and all the girls were, you know, very quick to tell him that we'll be back here and we'll work hard on the training pitch to make sure we do that. In the WSL, there were big departures at Manchester United and Birmingham City. Hopefully we'll meet again one day, hopefully, because I would like to say a proper goodbye. All that, plus we talk transfers in the FA Cup fifth round. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Jordan Nobbs and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello everyone. It's me, Courtney Sweetman-Kirk. I'm in the hot seat today whilst Faye is away on a well-deserved break. And joining me today, I've got Flo Lloyd-Hughes, Women's Football Weekly producer and journalist. And I've also got Claire Rafferty, former Chelsea and England defender. It was absolute heartbreak for Chelsea and Gothenburg, who were stunned by an own goal within the first 30 seconds and never recovered from that game last night. Inside the first 30 seconds of the game, Barcelona have set their stall out. The ball's still not clear. Kirby trying to get it back, takes a deflection, goes in over the top of the goalkeeper, and Barcelona are in front. 
What a terrible start for Chelsea. Hansen into the air as she's beaten Carter to the ball. She squared it back to the penalty spot. And Hermoso went to strike it and then lost her footing and has gone down and a penalty has been awarded. Mateus steps up, left-footed, straight down the middle, and Barcelona are into a two-goal lead. Here comes another chance for Barcelona, an opportunity to round the goalkeeper, and it's in from Bob Marti, given away by Chelsea, and this game is being given away by Chelsea. Barcelona are crushing Chelsea's Champions League dream, and here's Hansen to finish it off. And Chelsea are being battered by Barcelona in the Champions League final. It's Chelsea nil, Barcelona 4, Chelsea are being thrashed. There's the full-time whistle. Chelsea's first Women's Champions League final ends in a damaging defeat. Two cup finals, two losses in one weekend. But Barcelona's experience and quality shine through as they become the latest team to lift the Women's Champions League. Listen, we talk about the disappointments. We're the second best team in Europe. Yeah, we lost the game. We're not the champ. We're the second best. Now oh, that's a step in in the right direction. And it's still young. This group, I still think there's 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 a lot more potential. This is going to be a, a real hard defeat for them. I think it's going to hurt for a while. As you mentioned, they've still got you know an FA Cup game after this to play. I think you know it's been a long season for everybody. Uh, and I, and I'm sure you know Emma's going to. She'll be able to work her magic in terms of regrouping her players for this, this final FA Cup game. But it's going to be difficult. Players are going to switch off now. They're going to be disappointed. They're going to be upset. It's been, as I mentioned, a long, hard season for them. This will really, really hurt at this moment in time. And in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. And sometimes you look back at your career and you realise that, that those negative experiences or, or ones like this where you've lost, actually you learn the most from and you grow from. But, you know, they won't feel that right now. All they will feel is, is the sadness and how gutted they are. And that was all the action last night from Chelsea v Barcelona in the Champions League final. I've got Flo Loy-Hughes with me and I've also got Claire Rafferty. Claire, I heard it was a bit of a late night for you yesterday getting back from Gothenburg. Yeah. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Flo. We landed about 4am. Um, humbling defeat, to say the least. I was going to say I don't really want to talk about it, but that's the point of the programme. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully you'll, uh, you'll, you'll be kind enough to give us a few words. And really, with you being there out with the squad, I just want to pick your brains really as to, you know, how the game went and, and obviously how the girls are feeling now. And, and, you know, they'll definitely be gutted. But, you know, what are the overarching thoughts in camp? Yeah, you know, I think that early goal really did stun the girls. Uh, we looked shell-shocked um, the whole of the first half. I just didn't think we got in any kind of rhythm or flow. Um, and, you know, credit to, credit to Barcelona. They, they were incredible. The speed of play, the ability to break us down. They didn't give us a second to breathe. Um, but, you know, leading into the game, the, you know, the morale was fantastic. There was a calm about the squad. Um, they were given all the tools needed to succeed. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we're, as Emma said in the highlight clips there, you know, we're, we're second best and, and that's progress, at least, <laughs> to say the least. That's a positive out of it anyway. Yeah, and I think, you know, going forward, the positives are there's that experience there. And do you think maybe that was there's, was some of the difference as well? Barcelona in that position a couple of years ago, lost to Leon, and they've, they've come back. And are you expecting Chelsea to do the same thing going forward? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you do learn a lot from from defeats, and I think they'll be reflecting on this game. Barcelona righted a few wrongs, didn't they, of, of previous disappointments in finals, um, and and that does give you that experience. You know, you know what it feels like to play on that big occasion. But saying that, you know, a lot of these players are, are world class. 
um, players that play for Chelsea. So I, I wouldn't think that the, the lack of experience in big games was the issue. But I think potentially it just was maybe one year too soon for Chelsea. Yeah, and I want to pick your brains as as a defender as well. I think at times they struggle with Barcelona's movement up front, especially with the false nine sort of of dropping in and and maybe didn't get to grips with that so much in in the first half. The second half with the the tweak in formation looked a little bit better, but do you think they struggled with that movement? Yeah, definitely. I I, I think, you know, the the showing of of lack of experience in our in our wide areas. Um, I think we just couldn't deal with the movement. For me, as you say, as a defender, um, it's all about holding your position and kind of making them make a decision. Um, but it seemed that they were just running right, weren't they? And I think the change of formation did help, but it was too little too late. Um, I think the big thing here is, you know, these problems need to be solved on the pitch, don't they? Um, coming in half time is, is a little bit too late. So a little bit of onus on the players to to reflect and, or, and see what they could have done differently during the game because it is about the ownership. And there's only so much Emma can do. Claire, I know um, when Courtney and I were talking um, a bit earlier about how obviously Emma Hayes is, is so positive and always looking forward, but how much do you think this will hurt her, that result? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you could see her face, it was, the you know, the whole flight home was very deflated. Like, I think it takes a lot of energy to get to to, to these games. And you know what? They've got another game, haven't they, um, next week? So uh, picking yourself up and going again is something that she's learned over the years. You know, as many times that we've failed um, and to, in order to get, get to this stage. But, yeah, I think, you know, it's it a hard blow for her. She'll be absolutely gutted. And so will all the players. And it's not just Emma. You know, all of her backroom staff, they put in the hours day in, day out to get themselves to this stage. Um, but, you know, that's a sign of a good manager. She's going to have to rally around everyone and bring everyone together. Yeah, and going forward, there's that FA Cup fifth round against Everton and sort of maybe the overarching feeling in the back of my mind is Everton are maybe in for a bit of a pummeling, really. Chelsea feel like they've got to right some wrongs. And, you know, I know as a player, having a, a quick game come around at, at times is is sometimes the best cure for, for a loss. I know it's you know slightly different. It's a Champions League final, but do you think they will put all their efforts into that? Yeah, it's an opportunity, isn't it? It's an opportunity to right some wrongs. It's an opportunity to end the season, um, you know, the way, the way they started. Um, and, you know, and to prove to themselves, you know, this is just a blip. This this doesn't reflect, you know, their ability at all. And they, football's great, great because you always have the chance to go again. Um, and this is a chance for, you know, I'm sure Emma will be saying, look, some of you are fighting for your positions. This is a just as important, this game. The FA Cup is just as important. Um so, yeah, I mean, it would be a deflating to go again, but, you know, these, these are professional athletes and, and they have the positivity to do so. Yeah, and going back to what you said, Claire, I think it was a, a bit of a blip. There's probably too many players having an off day and, and it's unfortunate on the day that it came. But going forward, obviously, they, they have to play better on those big occasions. But to bridge that gap, what do you think where, you know, where Chelsea need to look and what they need to do to do that to consistently compete with Europeans elite? Well, I think, you know, you, you, you saw the, the, the fullback um, almost makeshift um, coming in quite late on for Chelsea. Um, fantastic ability of Jess Carter and Eve Charles. But I think that um, an experience showed a little bit um, saying that I think all over they need to find a new level. Um, and that will mean training day, day in, day out. I'm sure there is recruitment going on, um, as there always is uh, at Chelsea. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see players coming in. You know, Emma does like to keep it fresh all the time and and an introduction of of, of new talent um, helps that a lot but also as I said it's an opportunity at the weekend to go again in the FA Cup but also an opportunity for for these players to actually reflect 
and and just think about what how they can improve and, and what they can do better. Claire, on the on the after this section, I think in the next section we'll maybe uh, touch on Barcelona and, and how, how just how good they were, and, and maybe this is the start of something big for them. But how much do you think might have been and too much confidence going into this? Partly, I think from our side, from the media, obviously we really did big Chelsea up in this scenario, but also because we're in our own little bubble, right? And we don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to Spanish women's football. We, you can't really watch it that much over here. So do you think there's a sense of, you know, a lack of necessarily like prep and understanding to on w- what the best sides in Europe are doing? Well, you know what? I think the detail that would have gone into the prep would have been first class from, from Emma's squad. But I do agree with you. There, we are a little bit um, short-sighted in terms of, you know, how the, the Spanish leagues play. I, I know for sure. I haven't seen a great deal myself. Um, and I think that just goes down to visibility, doesn't it, of, of these women's games. There's not a great deal of it on TV. We know that Barcelona, you know, had a fantastic season and, and, and were clear leaders. We know that they scored a lot of goals, um, but style of play and facing them day in, day out, you know, it would have been the same for them. They haven't played, you know, I don't think we've actually ever played Barcelona before. Um, so I think, yeah, maybe potentially, um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think on the day that they got it right, didn't they? And they were they were firing on, on all cylinders. And I think we expected more of a, a even game. Um, but and, and second half we did have that, didn't we? But I just I just think it was just a little bit a little bit too late, wasn't it? Yeah, unfortunately, we're going to continue this chat. But this moment in time, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Courtney Sweetman-Kirk alongside Claire Rafferty and Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Coming up, we hear from Chelsea manager Emma Hayes and her players after last night's game. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Courtney Sweetman-Kirk and joining me, I've got Claire Rafferty and Flo Lloyd-Hughes in the studio. Don't forget, if you miss any of our shows or want to listen again to our podcast, that's available on the TalkSport app, so download it today. So going back to the Champions League final, it was obviously an emotional night for everyone at Chelsea, but the person that has been leading them through all the ups and downs and inspiring them on this journey was as resilient as ever after last night's defeat. Let's hear what Chelsea manager Emma Hayes had to say. Congratulations to Barcelona. They're worthy winners of champions um, of Europe. I thought their experience counted. Um, I thought they were exceptional in both boxes. Um, you know, it's one of them games. It just felt like everything fell to them, everything. And I think the early goals really, I think, took a lot out of the team. And, you know, I'm really proud of them for the second half. Um, I asked them at half time to really treat the game at nil-nil regardless of the scoreline because to be 4-0 down when they had four chances, I don't think I've ever seen that before with a Chelsea team. So I was as, as disappointed as I was. I just wanted to see the character of the players in the second half and they gave me that. Our owner came in to see us and all the girls were, you know, very quick to tell him that, We'll be back here and we'll work hard on the training pitch to make sure we'll do that. And um, if I know this group well enough, I know that they mean those words and 
this is just another step in our journey because, listen, we, we talk about the disappointments. We're the second best team in Europe. Yeah, we lost the game. We're not the champ. We're the second best. Now oh, that's a step in in the right direction. And it's still young. This group, I still think there's 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 a lot more potential. That was Emma Hayes there talking after the Women's Champions League final. And I want to talk about Barcelona a bit, Claire. I, I must admit I was very impressed by them. Again, as Flo alluded to earlier, I haven't got to see much of them myself. But I, not just in possession, which I probably expected from a Barcelona, but out of, t- out of possession as well. They were fantastic. They were really organised. And when they couldn't go and press, they'd, they'd sit in and make it difficult for Chelsea. Yeah, they were so compact, weren't they, um, and organised. And I think, you know, that they had some clear leaders out there on the pitch. They didn't let our players breathe, did they? You know, the likes of Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr, they, they, you know, they didn't get a sniff. I just think even playing out from the back, they had, you know, the, the, the press was fantastic. They, their timing was spot on. They they just seemed on the front foot. Um, and, and we were just a little bit more reactive than them, and it ended up costing us. Um, but, yeah, you know, fantastically organised team strength and depth throughout the whole squad um, and some real leaders in there, you know, you know like Lika Martins. I mean, you've got world-class players playing in, in their squad. Well, the physicality element is something that I think a lot of people noticed last night and I would always count Chelsea as quite a physical side, but do you think it was more down to nerves that they were losing some of those key battles or do you think that actually having been there and, and seen all these players in the flesh as well, that Barca were a more physical and athletic side than Chelsea last night? They they just seem to have a bit more energy, didn't they? Um, I think physicality wise, you know, we've, we've got a you know, strong team. Um, I think you see the dominance in WSL. I just think it was just kind of element of of shell shock, and you know what it's like um, when when you know you're not having a great game. Um, the pitch feels like you know the, the biggest thing in the world, and you, you know your timing's off. You can't get there for the press. You know you're missing passes. Everything becomes you know lethargic, and and it's a lot more difficult to actually retain the ball. And I and I think we never really got into the flow. We never were able to express ourselves. Um, I'm sure you know the likes of Marion was sitting inside. Um, you know, pulling her hair out because I think that game was crying out for someone like her, someone with her experience to kind of just get a hold of it. Um, but, you know, the, the physicality side, you don't really, you know, equate a Barcelona team, do you, traditionally with, with that physicality element? But I, I think, you know, the, the Chelsea players were equally as fit and strong. It was just, they just weren't on it on the day. Yeah, and, and looking at the WSL football and, and the Liga and, and Europe's top leagues, do I think do we think now that WSL football there's maybe a bigger margin between that and, and the other leagues than we thought, or again is this just a, a bit of an off day from Chelsea and, and they can compete on any other given day? Well, you know, we saw Man City lose to to Barcelona as well, didn't we? So I think there clearly um, is a, is a gap. I wouldn't say so much the quality of the players, but. Um, you know, I, I think the experience that Barcelona had um, from from previous defeats at this top league. You know, let, let's not forget we. You know, for the first time we've overcome uh, uh, Wolfsburg and, and Bayern, Bayern Munich, and that in itself, uh, you know, is something that we couldn't overcome. The amount of times I lost to Wolfsburg, I just hate saying their names, um, but I think that in itself uh, is it was an achievement. And where we were we just a little bit too short? Do we need to recruit in, in different ways? I mean, that's up for Emma. That's not my. Uh, <laughs> I think it's really interesting that Wolfsburg thing you mentioned because it certainly felt like so much of Chelsea's Champions League journey was about beating Wolfsburg or maybe beating Leon as those two big rivalries in the competition. So now that's out the way, do you think Barcelona are going to 
going to become Chelsea's new big rival in the competition. And this is a battle that we're going to see play out for a number of years. Yeah, you know what? I hope so because it, yeah, it will be a good battle. It's two big stalwarts of, of football, um, two greats, and I think uh, it would be fantastic. I think you see, you're seeing the traditional teams kind of coming to fruition, um, like the Leon and Wolfsburg, um, slightly behind the pack now. Um, but yeah, I think there was a mental block with Wolfsburg. We overcome them. I wouldn't say there'd be one for Barcelona. I think not. next time we play them, it, it, it will we we'll be up for revenge for sure. And and talking about Barcelona, as, as you said, we're hoping that Chelsea maybe would would stop this. But in terms of, do you think they could go on and be a bit of a dynasty like Leon have for the for the last few years? Five years they've won the Champions League on the trot. So do you think Barcelona are, are capable of that? Yeah, you know the team that, that they have, Hansen, fantastic player um, that came from Wolfsburg, if I'm correct. Um, and saying Lika Martin, Thomas, uh, you know, these fantastic players and, and, and they've, they've got a strong identity, don't they? Um, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go on and dominate. But I, I think, you know, the WSL team, City um, and Chelsea and, and, and the rest who kind of competing to get into that Champions League it is about watching this game and, and seeing this is the standard that we need to meet. Can we can we replicate that in in our games week in week out? Because that's the only way we're going to get there. I think if the standard of the whole league gets you know improves, I think it does definitely help out domestically. Claire, I wanted to ask your thoughts on this, and I'll, I'll ask Courtney as well. But a lot of Barca's success recently has been down to how many players play together at national level as well, and it's benefiting each other with so many of those players playing together with Spain. And Spain are one of the real underdogs um, for the Euros next year. So. Do you think that model is something that England domestically clubs should be looking at? Obviously, City have a lot of English players playing together. So do you think that's something going forward that we should potentially look to do in the WSL because it benefits club level and England as well? Definitely. I think, you know, the, the more you can get these players playing together, the, the better connection they have and they, they can gel um, better. And I think, yeah, as you mentioned City, I think Chelsea have been criticised a little bit for having um, a few international players. But I think it's about, where, you know, the, the best talent, isn't it? And trying to get that exposure, if, you know, like United have a fair few um, English players too. I, I, I think it does help, um, but it's not something that, I think it's a focus at the moment, and uh, you know, even though the success of the Spanish team, as you said, they're, they're um, the favourites for the next tournament. Um, uh, I think in an ideal world, it would be it would be lovely, but for me, I think it's all about getting the best players on the pitch. Your thoughts, Courtney, on on that. Yeah, I agree. It's about having the best players on the pitch, and and that will naturally um, happen. In, in terms of the, the WSL, obviously the, the new broadcast deal that's coming in, I, I think will then attract English players back potentially, like Nikita Paris, like Tony Duggan. They will want to be involved, um, that have obviously been involved in England before. Lucy Bronze has, has, has come back as well. So I think we've got to look at it both ways because if, if you you know those talents go in, into one or two teams, it may be, I wouldn't say devalues the WSL, but it becomes a less competitive league. But I think having the players back in England and we've seen it with the pandemic obviously makes things easier w- with travel and things like that. But I think, you know, I'm putting my sort of broadcast hat on here and, and with this term, but the product has to be good. Um, so whatever way that happens in the most competitive league, then, then where the players land, it, it doesn't really matter. But I think as well, obviously, as a, as a football fan, as an England fan, I want the Lionesses to do well and go and win a win a major tournament. So whichever way that they can do that, and, and the FA will will help, and the WSL will help with that. Then you know you know more power to them. But I think 
with the WSL as well, I think, you know, we've seen the, the broadcast deal coming in and, and I just want to go on to that a little bit in terms of Chelsea have already s- sort of started that process of, of the bedding in with the with the men's club. And Claire, do you think that, you know, more teams will do that now going forward, seeing what a massive impact it can have, not just on the women's side, but on the men's club and how everyone's got together and got behind Chelsea? Yeah, you know, the investment from Chelsea has been absolutely huge. You know, <laughs> flew out on, on Friday on the, on the private jet, the men's team huge. You know, equal opportunity is throughout the club. Um, and in order to give these players the best opportunity to actually win, you, know, you need to give them the facilities and infrastructure to do so. Um, and I think there's no surprise that they're champions of England at the moment because of that. You know, it, it does take investment. And I think, yes, the broadcast deal will, is bringing in a little bit more money, but I think we need to see bigger investment from some of these clubs. I know Liverpool have been criticised quite a lot for, for lack of investment. I read this morning that, you know, United... Um, Casey, Casey left off the back of, of, of potentially not having equal opportunities at, at United. So I think there is a long way to go, but it will help every single team if they, if they do get the backing because that infrastructure is already there. You know, the you know, business of football is already in place for these big clubs. And, you know, it, it doesn't take much to actually equally support and, and have a genuine support of their women's team too. Yeah, definitely. We've seen how successful that can be and we're going to dive into that next. But this is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. You're with me, Courtney Sweetman, Claire Claire Rafferty, Flo Lloyd-Hughes and next up we're running through the managerial departures in the WSL. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Courtney Sweetman-Kirk and keeping me company is Claire Rafferty and Flo Lloyd-Hughes. 
So we're moving on to the WSL. Last week, there were three managerial departures on Monday. Gemma Davies left Aston Villa. Then just two days later, Casey Stoney quits Manchester United boss. And then on Friday, Carla Ward announced she'd be leaving Birmingham City after less than a year in charge. So what next for these managers? I think it's very interesting with Stoney and Ward. They've been very vocal about the lack of support from their clubs. And as we enter a new era with this broadcast deal, um, as we spoke about earlier, the lack of support from from clubs at, at the lower end it, it's you know is this something going forward that we really need to address flow yeah i think so i i found it really interesting because um ward and stoney have been very vocal since they came in about the standards they expect especially a club like manchester united and i think stoney was quite honest when they played that game in at Old Trafford she wasn't that impressed by it I think she felt like it was just a, a little token gesture and she felt she wasn't that supported so I think it's interesting that she's done that and she's one of the most kind of hot prospects really in women's football coaching at the moment so I'm very intrigued to see where she goes next I know she's linked to a job in the NWSL one of the expansion teams but I I'm also think it's really disappointing because We touched just on the last section about how big this broadcast deal is, not just financially, but there's a lot more people paying attention to women's football than there were. I mean, TalkSport obviously played the uh, commentary of the Women's Champions League final last night and, you know, made a big a big deal of, of the game and lots of people were paying attention to the game and I think it's frustrating if you have big teams like Manchester United not really supporting their their managers or their teams and also from a sort of cosmetic outside looking in you see them signing Tobin Heath and Kristen Press and you think oh that's brilliant you know things must be going really well but actually when all the stuff comes out about the training facilities, how they didn't have places to shower or toilets. I mean, that is so disappointing when from the outside looking in, you think everything's rosy. Yeah, and for me, this is probably something that that might sound quite controversial, actually. But I think if men's teams don't want to invest in the women's teams and they don't want to do it properly, then maybe it's a point where, you know, almost they not shouldn't bother. But I think Manchester United were criticised for for many years for not having a women's team. And you almost think now, is it worth them doing it if they're not going to do it properly? But Claire, I want to, you know, get your advice, you know, from, from a Chelsea perspective, probably... The, the crown jewel in in terms of how they integrate with with the men's and the women's team and and what advice would you would you give the other teams and what value actually do do Chelsea women give to the overall Chelsea brand? You know what I think um, first and foremost the fact that uh, Casey has actually come out and said something about the lack of resources and Carl um, Ward you know clearly frustrated. Um, I I think it's if it doesn't get said. No one's going to know about it. We need to be making a noise about, you, you know, the inefficiencies that are going on behind the scenes. And as you were saying, Chelsea have been fantastic over the years. Um, it's been, you know, it's been probably a nine, ten year um, journey. So it hasn't happened overnight. But I think it's because of the likes of, you know, Emma Hayes, who are not shy in, in asking for more and setting standards and saying this is not good enough. Why why my players not got this kit? Why have we not got a swimming pool? Why have we not got this, this, this? No, she wants to do well. The only way to do well is to give her players the best opportunity to do so. And I think Chelsea have been fantastic at it. And that goes front to back of the club very much around, you know, equal marketing, um, which is huge, especially if you want more eyeballs on the game. And I think the fact that the whole club is buying, even commercially, I work in the commercial team at the moment, and, you know, it, it's, it's split equally. 
Um, and it's very much about, you know, let's bring revenue in for the women so that we can become more sustainable. And I think that DNA and the strategy that's gone behind that is, is crucial. I know the likes of Man City um, are on the same kind of page, but it is a real shame to, to hear others who are, who are just not stepping up to the game, especially like Man United, the size of the club is, 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 is incredible. And to think that they're not giving it their best is, is, is shocking, I think. Yeah, and also uh, from a commercial point of view, obviously that's your bread and butter. Those shirts of, of Press and Heath were the best-selling shirts really across the whole club. The clips on social media that they put out got millions of views and surely it's a bit embarrassing when World Cup winners who are very well-known, the best players in the world, turn up and you're providing poor standards. That doesn't look good for, for the wider women's football community because they're obviously going to tell other players exactly. in the States, I don't want to play there. So I just don't understand why they don't see it as that risk to their brand not to just give them what they deserve. Well, that's exactly the risk to the brand. You know, it's negative press. That's the, that news is going to spread. You know, what women's football like, you know, news spreads really quickly. And I think it's not just that; it's a pride, isn't it? I know, I know. You know, Chelsea want to represent themselves throughout the whole club the same way, and that's winners. And and, and they've given you know the women the opportunity to do so. If if, if, if United aren't doing that. Uh, you know, who, who does the buck forward there? Someone, I'm, I'm really pleased that Casey's actually said something about it because hopefully we'll see a reaction because if I was there, I would be slightly embarrassed. Yeah, and I'm pleased that, that managers and players alike are coming out as well because I think in years gone by, um, players and the managers have maybe felt that they can't say anything, maybe that, that the little that they have would be taken away from them. Um, and, and I think it's now we're, we're so empowered and, and I think long may that continue. And I think something that we mentioned earlier about Liverpool potentially not not investing in the club the way that they are, but Matt Beard has, Matt Beard has returned to Liverpool where he won the WSL title in 13-14. And do you think that spells maybe a bit of a resurgence for Liverpool and they're on the way back up? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, Biddy, he's, he's obviously he was a manager at West Ham um, and he's another one who's always kind of been setting standards equally at Chelsea. He was he was pushing pushing the bar as high as he could and, and there's no doubt that he would have gone into into back into that Liverpool um, dressing room with, with demands. Um, and them demands are standards, right? They're, you know, giving his players the opportunity to succeed and um, as I was saying, he, he wants to lead this squad um, to the best of his ability. And in doing so, you need to give these players a good pitch to play, train on and play on. It, it's funny how quickly the dynamic changes as well, because in the summer, when a lot of US players came over and we're still waiting to find out what's going to happen with Heath Press, Lavelle Mewis, but it looks like they're probably going back. The talk was, you know, WSL is is going to be the best league in the world now. And now we're looking at Stoney likely going to coach in the end of WSL and Eni Aluko going over for what looks like a, a director of football role at Angel City, the, the expansion team in, in California. So do you think that the dynamic that shifted towards England is now shifting back a bit? And actually, because it's a country that perhaps takes women's football a bit more seriously than we do, that they're 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 attracting a lot of the best talent. I think they always have, haven't they? They've always got this pool, um, and I think what they've done, they've reflected on what the WSL has done and the professionalism over here, um, and they've stepped their game up. And so you know, you've got some of our our best talent heading over there. But I think it's an it's an opportunity for us to do the same. Let's you know, every single club has a responsibility to represent this league in the best way possible. Um, and I think, you know, over time, we're going to see these back and forths. I think, you know, any a good friend of mine, um, 
she's you know she's always been ambitious she's you know she played in America she knows what it's like over there uh, so I wasn't too surprised to see that kind of transition um and I, I think I think we are just going to see back and forth and, and there's nothing wrong with that um an ideal world we do want to keep our best talent on and off the pitch um and and I think the WSL has to react yeah, definitely. And Arsenal now with, with that a manager, Joe Montemoro, apparently is, is set to go to Juventus. But in terms of now we're looking at the clubs as well with that a manager, Arsenal, Aston Villa, Birmingham. If I ask you to put your betting hat on, where would you, you see certain managers going and who's filling them, those roles? Oh, Courtney, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> want to speculate here. I was going to say, don't you want the job? <laughs> One of them. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I think there's a lots of talent coming through. Uh, PFA and the, the FA have invested in, in these coaches, haven't they? Um, training, the, giving the experience to, to more women. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, was, I wasn't shocked to see Montemurra go. Um, I think Arsenal obviously um, kind of have, have had a bit of an up and down season, haven't they? And I think, um, you know, I don't know the reasons why, but I wish him the best of luck. And God knows, I might even go into coaching. Watch it, yeah. <laughs> you had it any badges yet, but <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of Arsenal as well, they've they've dropped away a bit. Chelsea and Man City for me, that the standout teams in the league. What do they need to do to to bridge the gap? Recruitment, I think you know, getting a solid base, having the core of the team. Um, Arsenal are going to be looking around them, and, and they're they're kind of falling behind, aren't they? And I think they have have been you know one step behind for a while now. And I, I think behind the scenes there needs to be. Changes and needs to be investment. I know, obviously, in sport, women's football has been affected by COVID. But uh, for me, you know, the money needs to just be invested. You know, the Arsenal are a, win- are a winning club, and I think, you know, you have to be looking around and wanting to stay with the pack. I know Man City. You know, they always go again. They will, they will have, you know, be disappointed for coming second to Chelsea um, this season, and, and they'll be pushing, pushing again. So it's all about reinventing yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, just disappointing for Arsenal and I hope a fantastic manager comes in to, to guide them back. There's also going to be a lot of change at the bottom of the table. Obviously, Carla Ward leaving at Birmingham, expecting her to get another job in, in this division because she's obviously a very highly rated coach. Transition as well at Bristol City with Matt Beard having been interim coach and Tanya Oxtoby should be returning. But there's a lot of changes going on. Aston Villa, Gemma Davies gone. So... Do you expect that perhaps next season we might see those bottom teams sort of drift away a little bit further than even they have been in in the last couple of years? I, I think it's it's probably uh, it looks that like it's going to be the way unless things don't change. Um, I was disappointed to see Carla Ward leave Birmingham City because you know I think considering what the tools she'd been given, she's she'd done a fantastic job. Um, but I think she equally wasn't happy with what was going on there. So, you know, these, these teams, they need to have a long, hard look at themselves, don't they? They need to be appointing the best managers and need, need to be recruiting because uh, I think as it looks at the moment, the, the, the gap's going to get even bigger. Yeah, and then we've got that sort of middle middle ground, best of the rest. Can you see anyone that can maybe disrupt the, the WSL? Everton have, have put a lot in, into their women's team, had a, had a fantastic start, but fell away, obviously. Arsenal, if they recruit, but is there anyone sort of left field that you can see maybe spoiling the party a little bit next season? I think, you know, obviously Everton, if, if they manage to keep Govan, um, I don't know if she's, she's, she's going to stay or not, but I think... You know that they are there. They're ready to to spoil the party, aren't they? 
Um, but to be honest, I don't see anyone coming in. Like obviously Casey leaving United, um, I, I had my, my money on her staying there for a while and <clears throat> really developing this team. Um, but I think if anyone, it, it would be Everton United. But um, I, I still don't think that they're going to be able to catch, catch Chelsea or City. Yeah, I agree with you there. But next, we're going to be talking about the FA Cup fifth round and the transfer news. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Courtney Sweetman-Kirk alongside Claire Rafferty and Flo Lloyd-Hughes. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Courtney Sweetman-Kirk, Claire Rafferty and Flo Lloyd-Hughes. So this weekend in women's football, it was also the FA Cup fifth round and I'm going to give you the scores on the doors. It was Brighton 6, Huddersfield Town 0, Blackburn 0, Charlton 1, Manchester United 2 and Championship side Leicester City 3. A bit of a shock there. Birmingham 3, Southampton 2, Manchester City 5, West Ham 1, Arsenal 9, Palace 0 and my own Sheffield United unfortunate defeated in extra time 2-1 by Spurs. And one of the interesting things I want to speak about this weekend was the fact that none of these games were, were on the FA player. Some of the games, well most of the games actually except for mine were uh, televised or, or streamed in, in some sort of way but some were behind a paywall um, you had to pay to, to watch which I think in, in this point we are in women's football trying to get more people watching and, and, and supporting in the game, surely the the FA could have found a way to to get these games broadcast, Claire. Yeah, you know, obviously the FA player um, that they're trying to get more exposure out there. But to be honest, obviously I was I was ever in Sweden and, and I had I, you know even catching the highlights is, is hard, isn't it, to find? And I think it is all about the visibility. I think you know we need to get these games on TV, we need to get them on socials, we need to get more people viewing them. And I think. That's the only way for me that that you know we're going to be able to increase the commercialisation of women's football because you know brands want to be seen and if they're going to invest in women's sport they're, they're going to want to be seen. So yeah, it is frustrating. Um, but thanks for that roundup there. I uh, <laughs> didn't realise that Brighton won so emphatically. Fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because I think it's almost like you you forget that these games are happening because we were obviously all swept up in, in the Champions League final and that was dominating things. But a lot of these games really flew under the radar. I mean, some teams were putting out little clips on social, but for example, Manchester United, Casey Stoney's last game in charge, and I think you had to pay £7 or something like that to watch it. I think it was just a little bit frustrating and maybe it sort of spoke to why um, Stoney's so frustrated because I know that when the Old Trafford game happened and, and that game didn't get picked up for MUTV at all, I think she was frustrated because they'd already sort of used their pick. So it just seems like a strange one because although there's so much progress on these things, it's almost like two steps forward, one step behind. I don't know, Courtney, we were sort of talking about this earlier that we both felt a little bit frustrated. Your game was obviously the only one that actually didn't get any coverage at all. So who knows what happened in that apart yeah, from the scoreline? No idea with that one, <laughs> unfortunately. I mean, from my perspective, probably for the best. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's just, it's it's frustrating because we've we've come so far and maybe 
you know, this is maybe my naivety from behind the scenes of, of how we can get things on the FA player. And I know it's not easy just to stream things and say it like that, but surely there there is a way that these games can get broadcast because we, we've come so far, but these are the little bits where we can get people interested in the games, especially when no one can get in stadiums. I just don't understand how how we're not broadcasting them, but that's probably just, you know, I could go on a bit of a rant and that's a penny for my thoughts, so I'll leave it there. Um, but another thing in terms of looking at some of these score lines, we've got Leicester beating Manchester United. We ran Spurs close, Sheffield United, um, Southampton and did the same. And, and for me personally, it's probably a bit biased playing in the championship, but it's been um, a fantastically competitive season there. And you can see that the sort of top end of the championship running, um, the, you know, the bottom end of the WSL close. And oh, Claire, I just want to get your thoughts. And do you think that, that it's time for the WSL to expand? You know what I do? Um, as you said, I, I think the level has improved so much. Um, I, I think some of these teams are really running um, the, the WSL teams close, as you, as you mentioned. And I think I'd love to see more teams. I'd love to see more games. But look, I, I think that the argument is always around, you know, the infrastructure of them clubs. You know, do, do they have that in place? Are they going to um, maintain that for, for season? Are they going to attract the talent? Um, and as you mentioned earlier in the show, it is about the product. And if we can guarantee, you know, entertaining games, uh, I mean, I know you can't always, but I think if, if you can guarantee that quality of, of the product, then I'm, I'm all for it, definitely. Yeah, and there's there's so many teams in the championship as well this season, I believe, that are looking to go full-time as well. But just deeper with our pyramid as well, I think that, that everything below the third tier for a long period of time because of COVID couldn't play. And I just want to get your thoughts as well on how we improve our pyramid because I think exponentially, if we improve everything below it, then everything above it also improves. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm a bit. I'm a big fan of, of seeing, you know, the the, the um, increase in revenue from from some of these commercial deals that are coming in from the FA for the WSL and the broadcast deals be pumped into 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 lower leagues because you know if if our baseline is 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 at a certain standard, then everything else above it is is going to improve. And it is about the sustainability, isn't it? You know, you've been talked about a lot in men's football. I think women's football is equally the same. Um, it's all about getting that talent through, right? <clears throat> and giving these girls uh, that, you know, that are aspiring. And, you know, we, we see the England team, the Lionesses on TV, which is fantastic. But, you know, these, these girls need, need local teams, don't they? they? They need, you know, the ability and, and, and the chance to actually get out there and, and, and play football. I do think we need to see you know, a bigger investment um, in, in them lower tiers. But I just think it also, you know, there's a big call for, for the brands to, to get involved too, because we, we, we need the investment. And that, that's from the bottom Sorry, the top down. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, will, I can go on about that as well. So I won't, I won't bore you all. <laughs> yeah, definitely save that for another day. But just one game as well that obviously wasn't played because Chelsea were competing in the Champions League final. Chelsea will play Everton. That will be shown online on the BBC on Thursday. And the game I spoke about earlier, uh, Manchester United versus Leicester. And let's hear from an emotional Casey Stoney after Manchester United's defeat to Leicester yesterday. Yeah, disappointing, bitterly disappointing. Definitely not the way I would have wanted to go out. Like I said, I wanted to leave the club in a better place. So going out the club for me wasn't an option. Probably too many errors in both boxes, to be honest. Um, we missed too many chances. And then you can't, I can't equate for those those errors at the back. And they cost us today, unfortunately. Well, moving away from today's game and looking back from the three years you spent at Manchester United, how pleased with how far the club has come in those three years? 
immensely proud. Um, I've got a lot of huge pride in in what we've built here, the foundations that are set now for the new manager, whoever that comes in. That's a fantastic group that they're coming into, staff and players. Um, so very proud. And you could hear a few voices of the fans shouting your name outside. I'm sure they would have absolutely loved to be in here to give you one good final send-off. Yeah, hopefully we'll meet again one day, hopefully, because I would like to say a proper goodbye. That was Casey Stoney talking post-match yesterday. And thanks to MUTV for that clip. Um, And if rumours are to be believed, Casey will be heading to America. But a player um, heading to America, Ebony Salmon, racing Louisville um, from the WSL. What do you think about that move, Claire? I think, you know, hats off to her. Excuse me. She's had a fantastic season, hasn't she, for Bristol. She's been, you know, their shining star. Um, I think it's a shame, isn't it, to see um, talent leaving um, the country, but I think I think she scored something like eighteen goals in the last two seasons. So um, they've obviously spotted talent, and and I think she obviously wants to go and spread her wings. I hope that she can she can uh, gain a bit of experience and come back, um, and and you know make a name for herself here in England. But I wish her the best of luck, and it is a shame shame for Bristol, but you know that's how the world works, eh? Yeah, brilliant talent. And I'm just wondering, in, in terms of obviously a young age going abroad, maybe not just as a player, but as a person, it, it, it potentially helps you grow. And I just wondered if maybe you had any opportunities in your career to, to go abroad and, and make that move. You know what? Um, I always kind of pondered the idea of it. But for me, um, you know, when we were going through the, the ranks at, at England, it was very much, you know, you, you need to be playing for, for an English team. You need to be learning to trade here. Um, and I, I also worked as well. And, and um, financially, it, it would have probably put me in a worse off situation. So, um, and plus I'm a bit of a, of a home bird. So um, it kind of never really appealed to me. Um, but you know, you see players come and go. They learn, learn the trade, gain experience, and what a fantastic opportunity for her! And I'm sure she'll learn a lot about herself. Um, and, and yeah, I wish her the best of luck. Yeah, as you say, it's a it's a different world now for for women's football, thankfully, and, and players like you, Claire, paving paving the way, so players can go out and do that and have not got to do two jobs. Yeah, definitely. I think I used to finish training at that twelve o'clock and run run to the train station and, and head into the city. So um, I, I think if I'd have been given the opportunity to, to be full-time earlier on, I potentially um, uh, career might have looked a little bit differently, but I wouldn't change anything, to be honest. I, I think I learned a lot about myself as well. You know, the, the uh, commitment to, to football was there. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I just, I loved every minute and I'm, I'm just proud to have been able to, to help the likes of, and you know go abroad and, and, and live out her dream brilliant claire well thank you very much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure and that's all no we've worries. Got. thanks for having me no problem that's all we've got time for today it was another packed show so much going on in women's football world at the moment and i'm sure that will continue if you miss any of the show you can catch up by downloading the Talksport app and subscribing to our podcast just search women's football weekly Next week, Faye will be back for a Team GB special at a slightly different time of Friday the 28th at 12pm, so don't miss that. As I've just said, a massive thanks to Claire Rafferty. Thanks for producer Flo for holding my hand and to all of you for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. And don't forget, as I say, if you've missed anything, you can now load the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.